0: Hi, this is Bill Woods, and I wanted to talk to you today about how many people assume that they're going to get to heaven because they're living a good life or they I think they've got a special place with God in their lives. I want you to know assumptions can't be trusted. I was thinking about a story that I wrote a long time ago it said he was so very tired he had to find a place to rest. He was discouraged He searched long and hard for a place to stay the night, and every decent motel and hotel was full. He couldn't sleep in his car. This was the coldest night of the winter so far, and it was snowing, and he knew that he would freeze if he tried to stay in the car. He saw a dirty flea-bag hotel that he normally wouldn't even consider, except he was exhausted. He had to get some rest. The desk clerk asked if he wanted the room for an hour or for the night. This tipped him off to how bad the situation really was. He paid the nightly fee and was directed to a filthy little inside room with no windows, no air, no TV, just a worn-out bed with sheets that looked like they hadn't been changed for several months. It really wasn't clean enough for someone with his hygiene to sleep in that filth, but at least he'd be warm and safe. He wouldn't be running his car off the road someplace. The grimy, germ-laden bathroom was shared with a connecting room, and the fragrance of that bathroom would have killed a roach. What horrible diseases dwelt there. He groaned, I guess it's only for one night. I can stand one night because I'm too exhausted to travel on. I know I'd fall asleep and wreck my car if I tried to drive farther tonight. He slept on top of the sheets in his clothes. He didn't want to crawl into those dirty sheets and he refused to think about who'd been in them before him and what activities had been, bef- had been performed on them. He turned out the lights and laid on the bed. He rolled, and he tossed. He was unable to get to sleep. His mind wouldn't stop thinking about where he was and how long the night was going to be, and he felt like creepy crawly things were sharing his bed with him. He wished he hadn't stopped here. Oh, well. What's done is done. He would try to make the best of it. Finally, he drifted off into a restless, troubled sleep. Suddenly, he woke up gasping for air. The room was so hot and stuffy, he felt like he was suffocating. He urgently had to get a breath of air right now or he felt that he was going to pass out. He'd forgotten that that dingy room had no windows. The air was so tight, he had to have some air or he knew he was going to suffocate he couldn't find the light switch in the dark but he saw the reflection of glass on the wall and that must be the window he had to open that window he had to have air his lungs were burning up he was nearly overcome with panic he stumbled toward the reflected glass and tried to open the window it was stuck he panicked he could not open the window he grabbed the bottom of the window frame and frantically began straining, trying to open that stupid window. He was losing control. Why? Why wouldn't it open? It was stuck. No matter how he strained, it wouldn't open. He grasped around in the dark for something to break the glass. He had to have air. Finally, near hysteria, he jerked his shoe off. He hadn't undressed for bed and wildly he smashed it against the glass. Several times he slammed his shoe against it again and again. Why wouldn't it break? The pain finally gave way in a noisy crash of tinkling glass. He stood gulping in the air, trying to calm himself, trying to cool down. After gulping air for several minutes, he carefully found his way back to that dirty old bed, trying to avoid stepping on broken glass. He laid down to wait out the night until morning. He felt somewhat relieved after that breath of air. Morning finally came, and to his surprise, he found he had not opened a window but had shattered the mirror. He'd falsely assumed he'd solved his problem for air during the night. He'd relieved his panic by assuming something that wasn't true, something he'd never have believed had there been light in the room. Listen, things are not always as we assume them to be. I can remember when I was in high school, I went out archery hunting for deer with a friend of mine. And we walked and tramped through the mountains looking for deer and came upon a camp where somebody had shot a deer and it was hanging in a tree and and nobody was around there was a table that had been set up a folding table there was a camera on the table and so my friend said well stand by the deer i stood by the deer with my bow and arrow and looked so proud he took my picture then i had him stand by the deer carcass and he looked so proud and they took his picture I took his picture, and then we left the camera on the table. I wondered many times since then, when he got those pictures developed, what he must have thought about these two high school kids taking pictures with his deer. You know, if you saw the pictures, you would assume that I had shot that deer. But that assumption would be wrong. I remember one time in Pullman, Washington, when Marty had washed the electric blanket on our bed. And she got it all cleaned up, and she plugged it back in, and she assumed that she put the controls back correctly. But the fact was that in the middle of the night, I began to get very hot on my side of the bed, and I tried to turn my controls down. She began to get very cold, and she would turn hers up. And the more I turned mine down, the more she turned hers up, and the hotter it got until finally I just threw the blanket off and said, I can't take it. I was practically glowing red because of the fact that I was so hot. Then we found out that she had made the controls backwards and she was turning my controls up the whole time I was turning hers down. We assumed that we had things right, but the assumption wasn't right. A few years back on CBS World News Tonight, Scott Pelley announced that science has gone back billions of years and found how and when the Big Bang occurred, and now science will be able to answer questions mankind has asked for centuries. Another issue that's been assumed but is dead wrong is the climate change or the global warming that's going on. You ask people back east how much they subscribe to global warming today, and, you know, you get all kinds of answers. Most of them probably subscribe to it. Rush Limbaugh stated how puffed up the human ego had to be to think that this generation can change the environment of the world. That's in God's hands, friends. Don't assume that the world is changing because of any kind of eco problems that the, the human race is giving to it. Science has made some wild assumptions based on faulty theories and misconsumed information and one day will find that they're really not in control that jesus christ god is still in control you can't just assume you're on your way to heaven because you live a good and decent life don't assume make sure satan's always there to offer assumptions trying to instill doubt and prove that god's not in control listen to me Any deal deal that you make with Satan is a bad deal. He is not your friend. He wants to destroy you. He's always offering substitutes, a lesser for a greater. If we barter with him, he'll cheat us and ruin us. Just think about hungry Esau in the Old Testament, how he traded his priceless birthright for a bowl of Stew. He assumed he made a good deal by not starving himself to death. Or Rehoboam assumed he made a good deal when he avoided war by letting Shishak, king of Egypt, take the gold shields. Solomon had made these shields for the temple, He replaced, and Rehoboam replaced them with bronze shields. He settled for inferior shields. Satan took Jesus to a high mountain and offered all the kingdoms of the world for only one little bow. Esau traded his birthright on the assumption it wasn't that big of a deal if he could satisfy his appetite. Rehoboam exchanged shields and caused people to sin. Jesus refused to trade, refused to bow, and became the savior of mankind. How quickly is an exchange effected? King Solomon made the shields of gold. Rehoboam, his son, substituted them for shields of brass. brass. When one begins to barter with the enemy, it isn't long until everything is lost. Like Samson, when he woke up, went out to protect himself as at other times, only to find that Delilah had cut his hair and his strength was neutralized and God had departed from him. Each of these men made certain assumptions. Esau and Rehoboam assumed they were making pretty good deals and would better themselves for their choices, only to find that they really messed things up. Jesus wouldn't be sucked into something like that because he knew what a liar Satan is. In 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, "Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. What will it be? Keep what you have. Or trade it in for the, what is behind door number two. Monty Hall made those words famous on the popular television show, Let's Make a Deal. The latest MC on that show is Wayne Brady. <clears throat> the game show contestants might start out with $50 or $100, and Wayne will begin making them offers. Let's make a deal, he says. For instance, wayne might say to a contestant okay you can keep the fifty dollars that you already have or you can trade it in for what's behind door number one or door number two or door number three he might show a small preview of what could be behind one of the doors in one such preview a group of keys might be revealed hinting at the possibility that the new vehicle is waiting behind the closed door The contestant then has to make a decision. Keep what he already has or trade it for the unknown, which is designed to be very appealing and enticing. In the above scenario, the contestant says, I'll I'll go for the door with the keys. Wayne says, well, let's take a look at what is behind the doors you didn't take. Door number one is open, revealing a new refrigerator. Door number three is open, revealing a trip to France. Then adding a bit more to the stakes Wayne says, I'll tell you what you can keep the refrigerator and the trip to France or you can take it for what is behind door number two. Well the contestant takes a quick glance at the keys, wondering what else is behind the door, then looks at the refrigerator and and the trip to France and says, I'm keeping what I already have. The door is open and only a small keychain awaits. The contestant as chosen wisely satan loves to play games with christians his favorite of course is let's make a deal he wants to bargain with you he wants to offer you something in exchange for what you already have his game goes like this christian you can keep your joy and peace and fellowship with jesus christ if you want to or you can trade it for what i've got waiting for you behind door number one then he'll show you a little preview that is appealing and enticing with all of what is behind door number one. You just won't have time to pray and read the Bible if you choose that, but you'll be too busy with all the goods. Don't like what Satan's offering behind the door? Well, don't worry, there's always door number two. Christian, you can keep your integrity and honesty if you want or you can trade it for personal gain and wealth look at what's waiting for you when you choose door number two another preview is revealed and you see a a few corners that can be cut here and there a few ways to bend the rules just a little to put some extra bucks in your pocket doesn't that appeal to you well there's door number three christian There's no sense in holding on to holiness and righteousness. That's boring stuff. Trade it for worldliness and popularity. Door number three is perfect for you. This time the preview shows R-rated movies and worldly habits and music. It shows skipping church to go hunting or fishing or just sleeping in. Still want to hold on to what you have? Well, don't fret, Satan says. Say he has a lot of doors to offer you. You can trade unity and harmony for the latest bit of gossip. You can exchange your marriage for a night of great sex with a flirty coal worker You can love and trade it for anger, bitterness, and resentment. There are lots of doors available. Yes, there are many doors Satan will hold before you today. Let's make a deal, he'll call out to you. A decision awaits. Listen. Don't give those doors a second thought. Look at Satan and say with the love of Jesus flowing from your heart, I'm keeping what I already have with the Lord. Don't make the assumption that Satan has anything that you want. Remember, he's a liar, he's a cheat, and his deals will end you in hell. Now think about it. What in hell do you want? If you don't know Jesus is your Savior, he is offering you forgiveness of sin, A promise to be a joint heir with him in God's kingdom and eternal life in heaven. That's a deal that's too good to pass up. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. You know, when we talk about assumptions, we need to be careful. A lot of people assume they'll go to heaven because they've lived a good life by the world standards. And many think because they've been faithful in church attendance that they're going to be welcome into heaven. Or they come from a family, of devout, praying Christians. And God will certainly take all those prayers into account and let them go in. They've given money to the church. They've fed hungry people. They've done their good deeds. And good deeds outweigh their bad deeds. You know, people mistakenly think that all that will weigh weigh in favor when they face God. Won't it? Besides, God won't send anybody to hell, will he? He's just too good to do that. Doesn't the Bible say somewhere that he does not want anyone to be destroyed? So, there you have it. A good God will let me into heaven because he is a God of love. Oh, hold up here a little bit, person finish that verse what does it really say second peter 3 9 through 15 the lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think no he is being patient for your sake he does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent but the day of the lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief then the heavens will pass away with terrible noise And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to a day of God and hurrying it along. On that day he will set heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave to him. I know that many people assure themselves by assuming that when a loved one dies that just because the dead person was related to them, just because they would prayed for them through the years, just because this person has somehow voiced a prayer years and years ago, that God just naturally took them to heaven. They don't want to take into account that that person never asked Jesus for forgiveness, had a whole catalog of sinful habits and died with a heart full of sinful living sorry folks the only deal god is offering is if you confess your sins he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness first john 1 9. why don't you take him up on that deal while you still have time by the way Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He's the only Savior that you can turn to for forgiveness of sins, for adoption into God's family, and for an eternal home in heaven. If you're counting on some other religious leader in a cult religion, you're going to miss the way. Don't assume that the lies they're telling you will get you to heaven because Jesus Christ is the only way. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he proved what he said by his death, by his resurrection, by his ascension into heaven, and his promise that he's coming again to take us to be with him. So don't assume you can make it without him. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior today. Dear Jesus, I pray that you'll help people that are listening to this broadcast to realize how important it is they accept, they confess their sins to you they repent of their sins they ask you to come into their life and be their savior and they allow you to do the transformation of their hearts into somebody that belongs to, the, to you i pray father in the name of jesus christ that if anybody that's listening to this needs to accept you as their Savior, that this will be the day they will bow their heads, they will repent of their sins, they will promise you that they're going to live for you, and they will inherit your eternal life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can get in touch with me the same old way by the uh, email, or Gmail actually it is. It's is R E V W M W W O O D S. -S 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 at gmail.com or you can send some uh, note to me or something through the slow mail slow mail address is box 4031 sun valley arizona 86029 god bless you i hope that you know him as your personal savior and i hope that you just don't assume that everything's going to be okay when really unless you accept him as your savior it will not be find the truth Let Jesus Christ come into your heart and life.